I think of fire, I remember when as a teenager I joined friends in singing songs around the campfire. Michael, row your boat ashore, where have all the flowers gone? And if you miss the train I'm on, you will know that I am gone. Lord, I'm 500 miles from my home. I recall as a freshman in college, dancing under psychedelic flashing lights to the doors, come on baby, light my fire. And years later, dancing and sweating under a glitter ball to, I'm your Venus, I'm your fire at your desire. Fire illuminates the darkness and heats our food. In ancient times, women ruled the hearth, a cauldron placed over a central fire that heated the house and cooked the food. The hearth fire was considered sacred and was very rarely extinguished. While for Thales, an ancient Greek philosopher, water was the fundamental principle of life. For Anaximenes, it was air. For Empedocles, earth. But for Heraclitus, the animating energy of the universe was fire. For Zeno of Citium, the founder of Stoic philosophy, fire and air, when they came together, produced the pneuma, the life energy of the universe. So precious was fire to the Greeks that Prometheus stole it from the gods. Apollo, god of the sun, is the embodiment of purifying fire. In the 10th century CE, farmers still knew that because laurel is sacred to Apollo and, quote, has a great deal of fire in it, it would keep away demonic spirits who might damage crops. On New Year's, Greeks lit candles and torches in honor of Hestia, goddess of the hearth, emulating the goddess as she searched for her daughter. Even the ancient cake that became our birthday cake began as a symbolic circle of fire, as the amphiphon, the shining all round cake, signifying the moon and offered to goddesses Artemis and Hecate. Many ancient peoples revered fire as a sacred element or deity, as with the Hawaiian goddess Madam sorry, Pele, who dances in the volcano. Among the Celts, fire was sacred to the goddess Bridget, who's said to have been born in a pillar of fire, and Celtic priestesses were called daughters of fire. Among Germanics, Thor embodies lightning, the fire from heaven. At the spring equinox in Germany, fires were lit on mountaintops to celebrate the triumph of spring over winter and to honor the goddess Ostara, whose name was appropriated for Easter. Fire dwells within the Ritzingamen, the magical necklace of the goddess Freya, created for her by the dwarves. And Russians revere a bird made of fire immortalized by the musician Stravinsky in The Firebird. On May Eve at midsummer and at harvest time, torches were lit and celebrants leapt over bonfires. My Lithuanian ancestors honored Gavia, goddess of the hearth, with simple offerings of bread and water, praying to her each evening, Holy Gavia, live with us in peace so that she would not burn down their house. In Ireland, at Samhain, our Halloween, 
Hearth fires and bonfires were lit as offerings to the fairies. In Scandinavia, the winter solstice, rite called Madranacht, celebrated the mother goddesses with Yule candles and Yule logs set aflame. With the emergence of Christianity, many of the elder pagan rites came to be condemned. In the 6th century, uh, <clears throat> Martin of Braga inquired of the newly converted Christians why they continued to, quote, light candles by the rocks. What is this if not evil worshiping, he insisted. In the centuries that followed, church councils condemned the practice of kindling bonfires in the time of the new moon, quote, over which those seeking good fortune would leap. During the Middle Ages, Christian authorities in Greece, Ukraine, Lithuania, and elsewhere continued to rail against the kindling of bonfires. In 1633, the English Puritan William Prynne condemned bonfires as idolatrous pagan rites. Despite persecution, many persons, especially farmers, continued to celebrate the seasons and to honor the ancient gods and spirits with candles, torches, and bonfires. At midsummer in 16th century France, ribboned wheels called Les Rues de Fortune wheels of the goddess Fortuna, were set on fire and rolled down hills. And farmers in Renaissance England continued to light bonfires in honor of a female spirit who resembled the goddess Demeter in the hope that their corn and apple harvests might be abundant. In the early 1990s, a rite condemned by the Orthodox Church Many people in Greece continued to leap over bonfires at the summer solstice. Besides its life-affirming aspect, its being used to celebrate the seasons and the gods, fire can, of course, be extremely destructive to humans as well as animals and plants, and to structures and objects of importance to us. During my childhood, Smokey the Bear reminded us only you can prevent forest fires. In the 1990s in California, a firefighter set a large forest fire so that in helping to put it out, she might be called a hero. Right now, wildfires are raging in California. For a time, our daughter and her family had to evacuate their home. Sadly, Fire has often been deployed by persons and groups who have wished to burn that which they fear, which they refuse to accept, to destroy evidence of more ancient cultures, seeing this as dangerous to the creation of a new society, a new form of government, a new religion. Firmicus Maternus, a pagan astrologer who converted to Christianity, wrote to the new Christian emperors concerning the temples and statues of ancient gods that remained. Pardon me. Call them tombs, not temples. Let the fire melt them down. Sacred texts of papyrus and early books were among the first items to be cast into the flames. St. Paul, when he visited the pagan city of Ephesus, encouraged the worshipers of the goddess Diana to burn works sacred to her. 
sometime later and continuing for 700 years, many beautiful works of the poet Sappho were burned simply because of her love for women. In the fourth century, early Christians burned the library of Antioch to the ground because it contained many pagan works, and later the library of the Serapeum in Alexandria, Egypt, upon decree of the emperor Theodosius, resulting in the loss of many Greek tragedies and works, 90% of them, and works of poetry and philosophy. In 1485, the Spanish priest Tomás de Torquemada ordered that Jewish texts, including the Talmud, be burned. Also in the 15th century, the priest Savonarola's, quote, bonfires of the vanities destroyed decks of cars, musical instruments, wigs, veils, powders, mirrors, perfumes, dolls, paintings by Botticelli, and books, including works by Plato, Ovid, and Dante. In 1562, Father Diego de Landa supervised the burning of the sacred texts of the Mayas, not only because they were pagan, but also because when there were no codices left, then the Spanish could report that the Mayas were illiterate. The tradition of book burning shifted for a time to right-wing political groups, particularly the Nazis, who in 1933 burned 20,000 books held by the Institute for Sexual Wissenschaft, including many LGBTQ texts as well as writings by Bertolt Brecht, Albert Einstein, Ernest Hemingway, Helen Keller, Thomas Mann, Karl Marx, and H.G. Wells. In 1953, Ray Bradbury, sickened by this action, published the dystopian novel Fahrenheit 451, in which firemen burn books, quote, for the good of humanity. Some of my cousins have gleefully told me of burning copies of Harry Potter books on exceedingly hot days in Arizona. Very recently, on Wednesday, October 8th of this year, Students at Georgia Southern University burned copies of Janine Capot-Crusset's novel, Make Your Home Among Strangers, while she was speaking on campus, because it centers on a, quote, first-generation Cuban-American woman struggling to navigate a mostly white elite college. Some wondered why the books were not burning faster. Fire has also destroyed the lives of hundreds of thousands, indeed millions of persons, many of whom have been burned to death by secular authorities serving the church. As the 19th century German-Jewish poet and playwright Heinrich Heine wrote in his 1821 play Almansor, where they burn books, they will also ultimately burn people. In 1431, Joan of Arc, who fought as a soldier on the side of the French in the Hundred Years' War, was burned at the stake for heresy, for having dressed in men's clothes, and for believing in supernatural forces. She is now a saint. For over 650 years, from the 12th century onward, between 80,000 and 9 million women were burned at the stake for allegedly practicing witchcraft. Most were healers and midwives. Some worshipped the goddess Diana. 
Petronia de Meath of Ireland, Rebecca Lemp of Germany, Anna Eric's daughter of Sweden, and so many others died in the flames. When I hear Alicia Keys singing her compelling lyric, This Girl is on Fire, I cannot help but think of that other time when this lyric was not symbolic of feminist empowerment. For more than 300 years, from 1212 onward, men whom we would now call gay or bisexual were burned at the stake. On February 17, 1600, the philosopher, mathematician, and cosmological scientist Giordano Bruno was led to the Campo de Fiori, the field of flowers, in Rome for believing in the possibility of many worlds, where his body was set aflame and his ashes were given to the winds. Fire, as a force of nature, warms us, cooks our food, and illuminates the darkness but it can also ravage forests, destroy our homes, our places of business and worship, and take the lives of a myriad humans and animals. Fire has been used to honor the divine and to celebrate the seasons, but it has also been used to eradicate ancient cultures and religions and to murder those deemed too different to survive. This night, we return fire to its sacred role to honor the divine throughout the world, a myriad lamps to wise and beautiful Lakshmi, menorahs that recall the miracle of Hanukkah, Orisha Aganju, whose sword is made of fire, the eternal flame of Zoroaster's faith, among the jinn, the blessed who are born of fire, the ecstatic dance of Sufis proclaims the fire of love. Memory beckons me to 19, 80. We are dancing with others on Red Rock, high above San Francisco's Castro District. The Jewish witch Starhawk, whose spiral dance now attracts several thousand each Halloween, has come to join us. Charlie Murphy, now gone, begins to sing his song, The Burning Times. In the cool of the evening, they used to gather. In the center often stood a woman, one of the many we call the witches, the healers and the teachers of the wisdom of the earth. Then the pope declared an inquisition. It was a war against the women whose power they feared. Forgive my voice. <laughs> we have returned. Unfortunately, so have they. This night, my friend Gloria Ansaldua lights novenas to the Virgin of Guadalupe, who was once Tonancin, and to Santeresa of Avila. She burns copal incense to her ancestral gods, Xochiquetzal, Xochipili, Tlazalteotl, and Kotlique, breathing in the sweet, pure incense as it crackles on the sputtering, fiery charcoal. She, like shamans before her, interprets the signs in the swirling smoke. For Gloria, the queen of wands of the tarot deck, surrounded by flames, is the lady of erotic, spiritual, and political passion. Now Gloria herself has become an ancestor. The sizzling incense now burns for her. This night, years later, an indigo sky with clouds like puffs of smoke stretches above my comrades, David and myself, as we wind our way down the cliffs 
of Bolinas Reef to the sand, the Pacific sprinkling us with its subtly splashing waves, glittering as it reflects the stars. Some are dressed in t-shirts and jeans, others in robes that waft in the wind. Some carry candles, others torches, as we circle around the bonfire that crackles in the center. We cast incense of frankincense, rose, calamus, and myrrh into the flames, perfuming the salty air. We sing to the old ones, The most daring among us leap over the fire. She's been waiting, waiting. She's been waiting so long. She's been waiting for her children to remember to return. An hourglass of blue light appears above us. Oh, mother, we have returned.